Okay, good morning, good people. It is my pleasure to introduce to you a very close friend, coach, confidant, mentor, thought leader, entrepreneur, David Norris, who's been so gracious to provide us time this morning to walk us through um, what I suspect would be some really cool lessons and things to, to really broaden our mind. So I don't, I don't think any more of an introduction is required. Mr. Norris, we're so thankful for you, sir. We're going to turn it over to you. And uh, for everyone else on the call, just keep it on mute at the very end. We can have a, we can have a question session um, depending on Mr. Norris's time and availability. So Mr. Norris, thank you again, sir. We're so honored to have you. Oh, thank you, Chad. This is, this is really cool. Learning and learning a new way to deliver uh, type of thing, uh, lessons and teachings uh, and do so uh, in my bare feet. So that <laughs> this is, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. This morning, I'm, I'm going to go into some, some uh, uh, given the current situation with COVID-19 uh, and everything that's going on, this is just a wonderful time to really dig down deep. And I'm going to address some leadership laws, leadership principles, and I'm going to relate them over to something called the Stockdale paradox uh, uh, for, for our own personal growth and leadership development. But first, uh, I want to go a little bit more about me. Uh, I was uh, 35 years in the banking business. The first 10 uh, of my banking years, uh, just, just pri and, well, prior to that, I was a, a grunt officer in the United States Marine Corps. And I say everything I ever really noted, needed to know about banking, I learned as a grunt in the Marine Corps. Uh, but my first 10 years in the banking business were in, during the 1980s, so starting there in uh, 1981. And that was, if you remember the 80s, it was a very economic tumultuous time uh, in banking. The uh, oil field collapsed. We had another bust in the oil field. Andrews, Texas is in the Permian Basin. Uh, so I'm watching banks start to fail all around me, looking at the one I was working for. <laughs> Didn't quite fail, but the owners were stripped of, of their asset. And so I, you know, I may not, I came out of there not really knowing how to run a bank, but I sure knew what not to do. Uh, ended up in a, a bank up in the Panhandle of Texas. Well, I live in Amarillo, Texas now. Um, started with a little bank out of Happy, Texas. And I remember my dad being really angry at me because I left a small bank and went to an even smaller bank. Uh, that bank uh, out of Happy was, uh, of the 850 or so banks in Texas, Happy was the number 800. 12 in size. It wasn't very big. When I came on board, 20 million total assets. And 25 years later, when I left uh, with 10 mergers and acquisitions and countless branches established through that, uh, we were, when I left at uh, December of 2014, the uh, bank was the 15th largest bank in Texas. And so that was a, uh, a, a very defining experience. But, you know, five years ago, uh, I actually left a dream job as chief operating officer of the 15th largest bank in Texas. People would love to do that. But I, I've taken that and, and also, uh, and you heard Bob Gebhardt on the call and I talk about Rotary and applying these same principles many times in the world of, of, the, of the volunteer world, the not-for-profit world, they still apply there. But anyway, I did a little bit about me there. If any of you were on the call last week with Stanton Williams, uh, I, I want to make a few comments on that. Uh, Stanton uh, has, has a product, a tool, a wonderful tool called Culture Index. And Culture Index is designed to help you really get the right people on the thing. And what, it, what that, on the job, 
you know, the, the old adage that people are your most important asset actually turns out to be false. It's untrue. Uh, the right people are your most important asset. So using a tool like Culture Index can give you a huge advantage. And what I want to do today is take a deeper dive into really putting something like that tool to work for you. Now, I've said for a long time, uh, and I know this from experience in the banking world, I know this from uh, experience in, even in the rotary world, uh, is that uh, to grow your company, to grow your business, you have to grow your people. And to grow your people, you must grow yourself first. In John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws, the law of magnetism states you that who you are is who you attract. And what that means is that you must constantly be raising the lid on your leadership. You know, the law of the lid is that your leadership ability determines your effectiveness. So uh, back to the law of magnetism, who you are is who you attract. If you find yourself as a seven on a scale of one to 10, a seven on the leadership scale, you're not ever really going to attract anything greater than a six. And so this is about constantly raising the lid of your own leadership, raising the lid of your leadership ability to, to increase your effectiveness. And one way to really do that is to start asking questions. Quality of our life, quality of our business is determined by the quality of the questions we ask. And good leaders ask great questions. Now, a powerful question that, that, that you can ask in this realm related to the law of magnetism, who you are is who you attract, is going into uh, what a friend of mine, uh, Blaine Bartlett, developed. He calls it the law of the essential self. The law of the essential self is examining and answering who am I? Examining and answering who am I determines leadership potential. And to do this takes total authenticity, not just authenticity with others, but true authenticity with yourself, not transparency, authenticity. Authenticity is what remains when I am finished trying to manage your perceptions of me. Uh, and you could, you could also say that is uh, authenticity is what remains when I'm finished trying to manage my own perceptions of me. And that is the taking of ego, arrogance, pride, and all the other self-defense mechanisms that we, that we build up around us to protect ourselves and be truly authentic and ask the hard questions of ourselves. Artie Lang was a uh, Scottish psychiatrist, and he put, it, he put it this way. He said, the range of what we think and do is limited by what we fail to notice. And because we fail to notice that we fail to notice, there is little we can do to change until we notice how failing to notice shapes our thoughts and deeds. And I can sum that up in five words or six words. Learn to notice what you're noticing. Notice what's going on. Not, not just the stuff going around you that your five senses bring to you, but notice what you're noticing going on inside you. See, here, here, we're always just one thought away from a positive or negative thought. Always one thought away from a disempowering thought, a disempowering question, or a thought away from an empowering question or an empowering thought. See, what is wrong is always available to us. What is right is also equal to us in equal or greater portion. Now, hold on to that. I'm gonna come back to that in just a minute. 
because with the current COVID-19 pandemic that we're in, we're, we're basically in a prison. Uh, that, uh, if, if nothing else, a prison of our own mind. Admiral James Stockdale, um, who was ultimately awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor uh, for his actions above and beyond the call of duty while serving as the highest ranking officer of all prisoners of war held during the Vietnam War in the Hanoi Hilton. He, uh, the things that he did to lead those people while suffering just intolerable physical and mental abuse um, is a true, he's a true hero in that regard. But you can read about Stockdale in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. Now, Good to Great is, is a great book, and I'm sure that many people on this call actually have that book in their library, uh, whether they read it or not, or they've started it, or they read it a years, years time and put it up. But there is great knowledge in that book, and especially what I want to bring out about the Stockdale Paradox, which you can find on pages 83 through 87. Uh, Collins' interview of Stockdale, uh, Collins asked him, who didn't make it out? Now, the 591 prisoners released uh, from there when, when the war, when, when the negotiations got everybody released and brought them all home, 591 made it out. And when asked who didn't make it out, Stockdale said, that's easy, it's the optimist. And first of all, you know, now that just, what? The optimist didn't make it out. So, you know, it, it seems that there's something to learn from our pessimist friends. See, what would happen is the optimist inside the Hanoi Hilton were gonna say, we're gonna be out by Thanksgiving. And then Thanksgiving would come. Then they'd say, we're gonna be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come. Then we're gonna be out by the 4th of July. And the 4th of July would come. And then next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving and it is Christmas again. And they literally died of a broken heart. The Stockdale Paradox reads this way. Retain faith that you will prevail regardless of the difficulties and at the same time confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they are. I'll read it again. Retain faith that you will prevail regardless of the difficulties and at the same time confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they are. This is about getting acquainted with your worst nightmare, not about making yourself miserable. It's about rehearsing our response. Viktor Frankl, an Austri Austrian psychologist who spent the duration of World War II in a Nazi concentration camp and survived, and, one, and he wrote extensively about it, about how he came through that, again, in the presence of severe physical and emotional abuse. He says that between, Frankl says that between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedoms. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Um, Max Dupree puts it this way. He says that the, the first responsibility, and by the way, response and responsibility have the same root word. Uh, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Stockdale would define that reality by taking on people and saying, we're not getting out by Christmas, deal with it. Now I can't imagine what those POWs actually went through. But in this pandemic, we are in a prison 
And even with talk of reopening, we know it's still going to take time. Yeah, <clears throat> how long? We don't really know. Several years ago, there was a hurricane down on the Texas Gulf Coast and it blew out some oil refineries in Texas City. That hurricane came and went, but it took a full, it took months for those refineries to get fired back up and operating again. See, because there's an event, whatever the event is, it's followed by ramifications. 911, 9-11 was an event. It took really, the event itself was just a short, very short amount of time. But the ramifications of that are with us to this day coming up 20 years later. So in this event, we're still in the event. And we're unsure of the ramifications. There's a lot of talk about it. So if the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality, the second responsibility of a leader is to make positive changes. And when things get out of control, to, is to, that responsibility is to get back in control with positive decisions. See, there is, because there's no improvement until you, as a leader, decide to grow yourself. There's always an answer. There was always truth in the presence of any condition or circumstance. Always an answer. And one of, the, one of those answers is adapting or adopting, excuse me, a positive life stance, even in the presence of little or zero cash flow, deterioration of capital, and just totally banished profitability. So go back to asking yourself the questions so that you can receive the answer. Ask yourself, who am I? And here's a good question that we can put around that to help choose an empowering question to choose an empowering thought rather than the other direction. And that is, so as just to say, what if, what if as COVID-19 passes, your business comes through it more powerful, productive, and personally satisfying for everyone involved as a result of going through it? Would you love that? And if yes, and I pray that if you're on this call, your answer is yes. And claim that. Reboot yourself, rewire yourself. Admiral Stockdale would later describe his time as a POW as the defining moment in his life and one he wouldn't trade. Suffering can't be eliminated, but we can choose how we will bear this burden. Now, with that right there, Chad, that's pretty much all I've got to say on that. But I do want to encourage people that to look within themselves and understand that nobody ever does anything great alone. Beware of the lone ranger syndrome. I recognize lone ranger syndrome because I, I have had that for, for a long time. And when I would really try to get lone ranger, my wife would have to remind me sometimes that I really wasn't the lone ranger. I was more like silver, the lone ranger's horse. And in particular, <laughs> he's walking south. So you don't ever want to do this your own. You know, the people closest to you can determine your success. So I know everybody will have an inner circle, but it's also about having an innermost inner circle where you can really talk through, the, through these things. So uh, <clears throat> anybody wants to continue the conversation, we can do some Q&A here if, if time allows, Chad. Uh, we can talk. Yes, sir. Like for somebody like me, doesn't have to be me, but somebody to come alongside you 
to, to help pull out uh, your, your vision, to bring out clarity, focus, execution, accountability, teamwork. Uh, people want to do that. Um, you know, go to my website. I've got a free ebook there. Yes, I'll capture your email address when I do that. But trust me, I won't be blowing up your email box, uh, your inbox with, with, with stuff every other day or every day, something like that. Or if you want to look at a little bit further, uh, send me an email, uh, davidnorris1976 at gmail.com. Put strategy session in the subject line just so I so I'll, can separate it out from uh, all the other stuff that comes through in there. Uh, anyway, that's uh, website is uh, davidnorrisleadership.com. Um, got a pretty good ebook on there. Really proud of it. Feel invited, not obligated there. Um, but with that, Chad, uh, I know that didn't take very long, but I didn't want to take up a lot of time. I could go on for hours. You know, Mister Mister Norris, I thought it was it was fantastic, and um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I, I'm privileged that I've been able to, to listen to you speak a few times. Um, but I really, what I really took away, I believe from this time was really diving into the first responsibility of a leader and defining the reality. And I, I think that is a tremendous lesson. Um, in my past, I, you know, as somewhat of an idealist and, and, uh, I would say sometimes even too much of an optimist, um, I would go immediately to trying to beautify, improve, being holistic with different ideas. And sometimes you just have to dig through the shit. <laughs> you got to clean the shit before you can get to the fun stuff. Yeah. So I really, I really took a lot away from that. Um, actually, I just got a message from Molly and Molly, um, I appreciate your vulnerability on that. Would you be willing to, to share that question or, or or message you just shared with me with the group. Maybe Mr. Norris can bring some light to that. Um, well, I was just saying that uh, I, I'm typically number one, number two, number three in sales uh, where, where I've been in the last eight or nine years. And I'm in an industrial environment. Um, and I'm about the only girl out of about five, or uh, I'm sorry, about 50 reps now. But um a lot of people lean on me, lean on my expertise and what all I've been doing. So if I'm in a negative mood and, or, uh, I've gotten bad information from management, um, and I can't shake it. Sometimes <laughs> they said yeah. that, uh, that, that it becomes toxic is because it, it consumes you because you don't have the correct information from leadership. Um, and I have learned over the last couple of years after the company's been bought out um, that if I can change that mind frame and or keep it positive and, and get that right attitude is, is the, they, they've also told me that I, I can become unstoppable and I have been unstoppable. It's just a matter of that toxicity level. You get some stoppable and they don't get the right information that they need from the top down, that becomes toxic. And yes, it does. And, and, what, and what I've learned in that and having, you know, a total of 11 mergers and acquisitions, that's when you really start to see it. Uh, what, what happened, toxicity is created from a number of, uh, of 
conditions that exist and arise, not the least of which are pride, arrogance, and ego on the, uh, and a every man for himself, every woman for herself attitude in climbing a corporate ladder to get things done. This usually comes about from low impact leaders yeah. who have, have uh, who put their own personal agenda first. Well, you hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah, exactly. And this is because they have, they really never have stepped up in the leadership realm to totally define core values and of the things that matter the most, the non-negotiables of the company, not the least of which is how you treat people and how you communicate. In other words, every company is going to have a culture. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily a good culture. It could be, very, it'd be a bad culture. And if you're not, if a company, if an organization, if the leadership is not intentional about developing a positive culture, it is then by definition a bad culture. Correct. And, and I've actually taught some, uh, some leadership uh, courses before in a company uh, to their newly elected, uh, newly appointed, newly hired uh, management team. I mean, we're talking about uh, position level leaders who who've just been promoted and I <laughs> and when we went through the feedback of what I was teaching them uh, which was a lot about what I just said the feedback was overwhelmingly the people uh, feedback was the people above me my supervisors my managers need to take this course <clears throat> I got fired on that one right there. <laughs> yeah, didn't never got invited back on that one there. Uh, because it, it, it was one, they spend a lot of time. Let, let's go back to what I was talking about a while ago with authenticity in a toxic environment, in a toxic culture. What you find is that the leadership or management or supervisors spend an inordinate amount of time trying to manage perceptions of them and they fail miserably at it yeah and there's only a couple of things to do and that is one to stay the course and, and drive your way out or set your own personal vision for your vocation your creative expression in this world as to what you would truly love what you would truly love in that company what you would truly love someplace else and chart your own course to accomplish that dream, to accomplish that goal. This is a great time to be doing that right, right now because we are in a 100-year opportunity right now. This, this condition that we find ourselves in has not happened for 100 years. We've had a lot of events over the last 100 years, but not one of this type of magnitude that presents an opportunity for anybody in any company, in, in any income range or, you know, in, in anything to create a brand new normal and build a life or build, and build a business around what it is that they would love and have a magnificent chance of succeeding. Because well, I would agree with you on all of that. And the fact that this is a once in a lifetime, hopefully opportunity to reset all of our clocks. I listened to a sermon on Sunday and they said that, uh, Right now is the time you're going to see the goodness in people and also the badness in people. And you'll see, you know, true colors come out in times Absolutely. like this. Yeah. And I've seen trickle down effect from that 
from our company and every other day we're seeing things from HR that's just, in my opinion, unbelievable. And unconscionable. Right. Yeah. And so the thing that, you know, but, but like I said, there's always an answer, Molly. And, and that answer is for you to go within and determine what it is you would truly love and how to take care of the people that are, you know, le leadership is not, uh, how does Simon Sinek put it? It, it is not uh, being in charge of people. It's about taking care of the people in your charge and doing the best job you can do there. That's right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate the question. That was great. <laughs> Guys, is anyone else, guys or ladies, I should say, is there anything else anyone would like to, to add, Mr. Norris, before we bounce off this call? Okay. Um, last, last call there. Chad, let, let me jump in and just say uh, thank you for the opportunity here. I know we weren't on for very long, uh, maybe 20, 25 minutes, and I, you know, little things like this, this opportunity, uh, that I have uh, to do this, the opportunity that other people have to, to listen in and make decisions, positive decisions in their own life, and uh, in, in, uh, in, in their own vocation, in their own business, uh, as to how to not only improve themselves, but the lives of others is what I live for, to do that. So just thank you for, for this opportunity, sir. I appreciate it. Sir, we're honored. And uh, if, if your schedule allows, we'd love to do this again in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we could do another lesson. Yeah, I'll be honored to. <laughs> Awesome. Guys, thank you. Have a wonderful day. And uh, I will be publishing this recording so you have it in your files. And uh, be blessed, guys. Have a great one. Thank you. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you all. Well. Thank you.